Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to the Coffee Flash. The Coffee Clash and Special Needs Talk Radio Network feature outstanding programming for the special needs community. Our team of hosts provide educational interviews. Our shows are not designed to provide listeners with specific or personal medical, legal, or professional service or advice. Parents of children with health issues should always consult their health care provider for medical advice, medications, or treatment. Any show discussing rights and law for special needs children and special education are presented as general information and not legal advice. Special Needs Coffee Clash Limited does not promote any host or guest individual practice, programs, treatments, or products. We thank you for joining us and are proud to provide excellence in broadcasting for the special needs community. And now, on to the interview. Good evening. My name is Dr. Richard Selznick, and I want to welcome you to School Struggles. I am proud to be a part of the Coffee Clutch team. And on School Struggles, we talk about a range of topics, including learning disabilities, dyslexia, special education, ADHD, and a whole host of other interesting topics that affect your child. I am a child psychologist and the director of the Cooper Learning Center, which is a part of the Department of Pediatrics, Cooper University Healthcare, which is located in Voorhees, New Jersey, just outside of the Philadelphia area. I am the author of three books. The first one was The Shutdown Learner, Helping Your Academically Discouraged Child, the second, School Struggles, and the latest, Dyslexia Screening, Essential essential Concepts for Schools and Parents. And they're all available on Amazon or Barnes & Nobles. And you can also learn more about the books and my other stuff at www.shutdownlearner.com. That's one word, shutdownlearner.com. The site is loaded with blogs and lots of great information for parents. And you can also follow me on Twitter by following at Dr. Sells, that's D-R-S-E-L-Z, and on Facebook by joining the Shutdown Learner community page. I am excited to have Mr. Fred Chang, all-around good guy. I've met him and heard him speak in the past. He's the director of assistive technology services at the Assistive Technology Center. In addition to being the director, Fred is also a hands-on assistive technology specialist. He and his staff help consumers with all types of disabilities understand, experience, and implement assistive technology in their everyday lives. Fred and his staff work with employers and school districts to help make classrooms, curricula, and work sites accessible. His formal training is in product design and rehabilitation engineering technology. So, Fred, welcome to our show. 
Richard, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Pleasure. Um, tonight we're going to be talking about a topic that you know I have been in my own way tracking for a lot of years because I, I for for I, <laughs> I hate to say how long, probably a couple of decades, have been recommending certain types of what I, what's called assistive technology. To, to the people that come to see me. And it's very hard in a lot of ways to keep up. So, Fred, you're here tonight to help us to kind of get in the game on assistive, assistive technology so we know what's cutting edge and <laughs> what, pa- what parents should be thinking about, you know, sure. uh, in terms of assistive technology and, and that kind of thing. Fred, before we get started, because... I try to stay away from jargon, and even the term assistive technology has a certain kind of jargon to it. Help us sure. to define what that means. Sure. Well, if a student is having trouble doing something, and we say, okay, instead of just trying to teach them the skill, which of course is important, you want to teach them how to do that task, but instead we want to give them a different way of doing it. We want to give them a tool to help them to accomplish the task then that can be called assistive technology. So, for example, uh, a lot of people think of, when it comes to handwriting, uh, using a different kind of pencil or some sort of pencil grip or some sort of slant board or a different kind of paper. All of those are a kind of low-tech assistive technology. They help people to be able to accomplish the task. So, okay, so 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 it's... That, so it's tied into that is helping a person to accomplish a given task. So in that example, person, you know, maybe they have a weak motor grip or you know they're, they're weak control pencil control. Then that what you you called it a low low technology. Is that what you refer to it as? Yeah. Whenever something is not powered, like there's no battery and it's not plugged in, right. we usually think of those accommodations as low tech. What are some other examples of low technology that low tech? We'll go low tech first. <laughs> sure, sure. It's always good. I always say to people, it's always good to start low tech, and this often starts with in school with your learning consultants, your psychologist, your occupational therapist, the people who are already working with you um, will usually know about different kinds of low tech accommodations. Um, so it's even things like. If students have a lot of trouble with spelling, sometimes just having word walls, you know, if you're talking about younger children, just okay. having the words available to them um, in the, uh, just printed out so that they don't have to be thinking of the spelling, they can look up and see what the spelling is. Okay. Um, good. So are there other ones that are like, I'm thinking of something like the, the, the ones that go on the pencil, like those little rubber you know, uh, one of the right. Those well, pencil grips. pencil grips, pencil grips. Yeah, any kind of pencil grip. Um, there are special kind of grips that that allow a child to have a different kind, a different way of holding a ut- any kind of utensil or writing implement. Um, or, as we said, uh, slant boards, things that put you in a different position uh, when you're writing. Um, so, a lot of those things are related to writing. Um, when it comes to reading, a lot of the low tech accommodations are people. <laughs> Believe it or not, we don't really call them low-tech, but they're a kind of accommodation. It's people are reading to the child. As, it, I, you know, and I also think one that I say a lot is a low-tech accom- accommodation for dyslexic kids, um, having a teacher typically in the classroom preview those tough words and go over with the child individually, you know, the, the 
larger words, which are usually the ones that the kids are having trouble with, the multisyllabic word patterns, and help them preview and read them out loud with the child off to the side. So that's a low-tech, low-cost solution. Right. Absolutely. And then, so there's a there's a whole, I'd say, a whole range. That's what we like to think of it as there are accommodations and there's assistive mm-hmm. technology. Um, yeah. There's a different kinds of supports that are out there and everything from simple to more complex. Okay, so move us a little more complex then, right? So um, maybe create a, well, maybe we can create a scenario. Let's say it's a, a, a fifth grader or a sixth grader with a severe reading disability like dyslexia. Um, what? How might you approach such a child? They've, you know, a parent comes. They've heard about you. They've heard about your center. What? What? What's the process, and what should they be thinking about? Sure. Well, we are really in a great time in history where there is so much technology that's just out there anyway. Um, so once we start looking at possibly, you know, some higher tech solutions, it's no longer something that's really strange. You know, kids are using technology all the time anyway. Um, so it's just a matter the first thing we want to look at is what are all the other kids in the class using? Uh, what technology are they already using? And can we just use some built-in accommodations, built-in features, or uh, some simple apps uh, to add on to what they have. So, for example, if a student has enough of a difficulty with reading, significant difficulty with reading, where they are several grade levels below uh, below their age level when it comes to their reading ability, um, can they get the information auditorily? Is it adequate for them to hear the information having the computer read the text out loud so that they can understand the content. Uh, and usually the, the test here is, well, are people currently reading material to the student? Because right. the student has difficulty enough with reading and that that it slows them down so much that they're not getting the content. Um, if people are reading to them and they understand what is being read to them, uh, then chances are they would understand the computer things reading to them as well. Okay, so then, right, I would agree with that. Um, and I, and in the old days, I would give um, what, are, what are called listening comprehension tests to to see if you know if, if the child has read passages out loud to them and ask questions about it. Then, then you know, that's a, usually a pretty good determinant whether they can process and understand the information auditorily, as you're saying. So, if they can, what would be what would be some of the technologies that you might be recommending? Well, the so the first thing, as we're saying, is to take a look at the technology they already have. So, for example, if they're using iPads or iPhones, um, believe it or not, you know, Apple is great in that way. They build in a certain amount of support, uh, text, what's we, what we call text-to-speech. So having the computer be able to take text and turn it into speech. The student can be wearing a headset so that it's not, you know, no one else is hearing it. Um, and they can, for example, go into a website, go into any text that's already there on their on their iPad or iPhone, and have the computer read it out loud to them. Uh, this is the first level of intervention. Very simple uh, feature that are already there. If anyone out, listening out there has an iPad or an iPhone, if they go into the settings on your iPhone, if you've ever done that, um, there in the settings. Is a, is a section called general, like general settings. Inside the general settings is a set of settings called accessibility 
settings. So in there, you'll find all kinds of features, but among them are speech uh, settings so that you can have the computer read things out loud to you. That's great information. Do, do you find that you, as you go over this with parents and or schools, that you find um, some resistance points? You know, some people saying, well, that's all well and good, but, you know, my teach my child really still needs to learn how to read, and aren't we right. just spoon-feeding, or whatever the, you might hear. Right. What are the, some of the top resistances that you, you've got? Sure, sure. And we don't want to, you know, we don't want to see accommodation as a replacement for remediation. So, so teaching a child to read is very important, especially very young children. You know, you, you're, you're, yeah. they're still developing. Um, so you want to put the time into doing that. The question is, how much time and what kind of tasks do you remediate? And how much time, what kind of tasks do you accommodate? Um, so, for example, if we're talking about the fifth, grade, fifth grader, his fellow students are no longer just learning to read. They're reading to learn. They are gaining content from reading. It's not just uh, remediation, right? So certainly, if you're a fifth grader, you need to be reading to learn. Um, And so there needs to be some content where they just need to learn the material, whatever way works for them. Yeah, no, I think it's a great point, and and what I see on my end is so many of the kids that I evaluate or interact with, uh, they're they're on a pretty regular basis, pretty consistent basis, operating at what I would call a frustration level. That is, their the reading material that they're being given is is just simply above their head, and they can't do it independently, even if they wanted to try. So it seems to me that that's a great place for assistive technology to kind of be to be lending itself some support to the kid, right? Yeah, absolutely. And this is this is where while we do provide guidance and advice, in the end we're really working with the school staff and the parents to say, okay, what do you think? When and and when should they be remediating being learning mm-hmm. to read using a different method, different strategies, and what tasks should they be just learning the content, just going ahead and using technology to help them to understand the social studies textbook, <laughs> to be able to read the articles that they've been assigned on the web. How do you handle worksheets? I mean, you know, they're often not, you know, they're, they're not, easy. I, you know, the kids are given worksheets or they're in that in paper form. What, what, how can they be translated into something that could be managed by assistive technology? Well, that's a really good point. The first thing I'd say is that usually those worksheets came from somewhere. (laughs) Nowadays, even. um, They somehow or other um, were electronic. They were Word diagrams. So we're going to do anything we can to get them to be given to us in electronic form. However, I understand sometimes it just takes time or we're just not sure um, whether or not um, uh, there is some electronic version. So there are apps that actually will snap a picture of some of some text to be able to read it out loud to you. Okay. Now that doesn't necessarily allow you to type into it though. Um so it does get more complicated if you want to type in. The the easiest method is to use an app that just does what we call OCR, optical character recognition, 
it just takes the grabs the text and can read it to you and then on a separate page or in your computer you type your your responses okay that's if a student has the ability to switch from one field of view to another as they're working you know to be able to read on one one page and then type on another um, if that's too complicated we usually will recommend something like a scanner you know kind of traditional old school scanner uh, with some OCR software, optical character recognition software, so that it can scan the text in, and then they can type onto the page. You can read it out loud to them, but then they can also click and type on in the blanks. Sounds a bit complicated, but it's but I guess it's a way to go to get around it, right? Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely more. It's definitely a few steps, but if you set up a you set up the student with a you know this is so this is about planning. If you yeah. plan on not having electronic uh, files for everything, if you're going to have paper, mm-hmm. you gotta ha- you gotta either either the student right. can kind of snap a picture with their phone or with their iPad and have it read, or they have a computer with a scanner next to it um, where they scan things in. It's funny, as you're talking, I'm thinking about a lot of the kids over the years, and one one of my gripes has been that too often um, people say, well, just we'll give him uh, whatever, uh, you know, uh, some kind of assistive technology, Dragon, and we'll talk about Dragon in a couple minutes, but we'll, we'll, we'll put them on on it as if, the you know, the, you know while kids are pretty intuitive about uh, technology, and, assi- and I, I find that unless the child has been what I would call handheld a bit and really walk through that they're, you know, a lot of the kids that we're talking about have a pretty low frustration tolerance and they get, oh, I, this is stupid, I don't want to do this, you know, because they're used to kind of swiping and clicking and if it's something that has a few more steps, they may shut down with it. So I think if someone can more patiently walk them through the steps, then the kid buys in more. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. Uh, how complicated is the solution and what kind of barriers does the student have in being able to use it? So you certainly can't expect people to just pick up technology and start using it. That's true of our teachers, too, and right. not just our students. So uh, both teachers uh, and students need support in order to learn how this is getting integrated into their day. Uh, we can't just stick stuff in front of them and expect them to use it. Right. Um, so that's the first thing. The second thing is motivation. Um, and how effective this is. You know, students have to be the center of any evaluation process. If you simply <laughs> decide that this is what's good for a student, you know, that, that's kind of like the old way of doing evals, was just kind of looking mm-hmm. at the student to say, okay, I think they need this. You know, nowadays, evaluations are really a team process. Um, you really work with the parents, with the school staff, with the student doing trials, looking at what works, having discussions about it to come up with what's going to work best. One of the changes we've made to evaluations is we no longer we always recommend a trial period after an evaluation because even in the eval, even if it's an inclusive, everyone's involved evaluation, you don't know for sure that something's going to work well unless you try it in the classroom try over it. time. Mm-hmm. So the, you know, and when you say an eval, you're talking about an assistive technology eval, right? That's right. So if there are times when people come to us because they they know that the student could benefit, but they're not sure what the solution is or how to implement it. Yeah. Um, so that's that's usually our role is to give them some guidance, 
to do an evaluation where we're talking to people, involving them, doing trials of assistive technology um, to help them to find this best solution. So back, back before when you said about the child, let's say, you know, you, to determine whether the child could process information auditorily and could, could they benefit from, from that text-to-speech type of assistive technology. What if the child had severe auditory issues? You know, it was shown to have significant problems listening. Um, what would you do with that kind of child who has severe That's a really good problems? point. We still have to, we have to look at, com- really compare, have a baseline, basically, of reading without supports, uh, reading with just auditory, in other words, just listening, um, reading with both the visual and the auditory, because there is a difference uh, where you're able to see the text and listen yeah. to it at the same time and see the words highlighted as they're read um, and get and see what the actual performance is like. That's part of the reason to have a trial is to really measure performance. Um, if there really isn't a benefit to that, then you'd have to question whether or not assistive technology is really going to be helpful um, for that for reading in particular. Um, there are a few other small accommodations when it comes to reading, um, mm-hmm. just being able to have letter supports, word supports um, as they're reading um, instead of trying to read all the text. Um, but the other approaches are really more more instructional, I would say. Yeah. So, for example. Um, because uh, you know, reading is not just decoding. You know, reading yeah. comprehension is much larger sure. than that. Yeah. So, the other approaches are more about, for example, if they're learning about the rainforest and we're going to read about it, maybe you watch a video about the rainforest first. Um, you to build in some student. knowledge, to build in some familiarity. Right. right. Yeah. You what? What vocabulary are you going to be introducing? Um, maybe it'd be helpful for them to actually see or experience those things. Uh, the the kind of things that you're actually talking about, so it's not abstract. Um, you're building vocabulary. You're building their awareness of the topic. Um, and then when it comes to comprehension, as they're reading, how are they taking notes about what they're reading? Now, this depends somewhat, of course, on the age of the student. We're talking about as students get older, um, they don't just read, they study. Um, so what are the strategies that we have all students use when they study? Um, and could we use some of those study skills using technology? So, for example, using teaching how to highlight. You know, you don't just give people students a highlighter and just say, "Okay, highlight things." Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, you right. need to teach them. Right, and you how forget that the hi- you forget that the highlighter is a form of is a technology of sorts. You know, you forget. Yeah. That. Or if they're if they're le- if they're reading electronically, then there's got to be some sort of electronic way of highlighting things, which mm-hmm. is usually it's that's built in. Um, or taking notes, uh, summarizing as you go. Um, maybe it needs to be a voice note instead of a handwritten note. Um, there are different ways of supporting reading comprehension and study skills uh, using technology. Yeah, no, it's, they're, they're great points, and, and I think there's so much that, that if, when trained and coached that you know a child or a student... Uh, even a college student can be doing to to kind of internalize, you know, a, a lot of these skills, and and have some alternatives that they can go to, you know, in terms of oh, I, you know, maybe I'll try it this way, or you know, maybe I'll use this program here, and have an array of different 
tools available to them. So you got you guys would provide potentially, you know, in a, almost like a tutorial. Is that how it would work? Like, let's just say, let's go to a high school student. Let's just say somebody came to you and said, look, I, I'm really struggling in school, and I don't know how to use these different technologies. Would somebody work with that child over a period, that student over a period of time to help them know what's available what's, and what's out there? So assuming that someone has this, this technology that they need, when it comes to actually using it and applying it, yes. In the past, it's, it's funny, in the past we used to do mostly evaluations and not much implementation, not yeah. much training and, and support in the classroom. Then we did some follow-up, and we realized that, you know, there were a lot, good number of people who were not using what we had recommended. Right. Yeah, I And we're thinking, well, wait a second. We yeah. yeah. why, why is this happening? Mm-hmm. And then we realized that, well, you know what? It just doesn't happen by itself. Yeah. We need to support people. Now, it's probably 75% of our time is spent on implementation, support yeah. and implementation. That takes more time than evaluation. Yeah, no, I see that as a crucial variable. I, you know, so often over the years have seen, you know, technologies, assistive technology recommended something like Dragon, which I personally use all the time. I've been using it for many years, um, Dragon, naturally speaking. But I find it being recommended a lot. But I also see kids they, that they their enthusi- their enthusiasm lasts for about a day and then they right. it drops off because it you know it's not easy to dictate it's not a, it was, but I think right. if they had more go back to what I said before and what you're saying a little more hand holding a little more training a little bit more you know get them up to ramp speed with the software and the program then you probably would have much more implementation and usage yeah yeah absolutely Th- especially things like when I mean, we're talking about writing now when it comes to using any kind of tools for writing, it's not just about uh, you know it's not just right. about dysgraphia, right? So writing, yeah, sure. the, the, the student, the issues that students are having with writing uh, yeah. are many, and so you need to not only teach. In, in the end, you have to integrate the, the teaching of the tool with the teaching of the writing method, uh, the writing strategies. Yeah, writing is um, such a brutal, brutal process for the kids. What What are some of the top tools? Like, how would you? What would be some of the, you know, that inter- like you said, it's not just it's not just at the motor level, the dysgraphia. So, what would you start with? Something like uh, you might teach something like inspiration, um, where they're where they're mapping out their ideas. Like, what are some of the top either software programs or other types of programs that you might be recommending for writing? Well, we we, we always start with what are the real issues the students having. Okay, um, because you don't want to start with the technology. You want to start with the issues that they're having. But, yeah. So, for example, when it comes to spelling, spelling is common, right? P- people have mm-hmm. significant spelling issues. Um, so we're going to first look at, of course, you, you look at, you look at just typing things using built-in spell checkers. But sometimes the spelling issues that students having are so significant uh, that even just regular spell check doesn't really work. Um, so then we will look at other alternatives. Um, there are some specialized uh, spell and grammar checkers out there made for students with disabilities. Uh, for example, there's Ginger. Ginger is an online tool uh, which, which uh, is subscription-based, uh, although you can use the website just for, for trialing things out, um, to be able to know a little bit about how people write, how they, uh, how they uh, spell things, and what are some more likely words that you're trying to write. Um, they look at the common misspellings, the kind of phonetic misspellings that students with dyslexia make. Um, 
so spelling is one issue. Um, another is another approach to that is to actually try to guess the word while they're typing. It's a little different from spell check. So spell check is right. after the fact, but word prediction uh, through tools like CoWriter. Sometimes kids are so reluctant. You know, we we always tell them just write write the word, spell it any way you want, um, and don't worry about the spelling. We'll come back to that later. You know what? They still limit themselves. They still use sure. the words that they know how to spell. They limit themselves. Yeah. So sometimes we'll look at things like CoWriter so that they're getting support real time as they're typing. And CoWriter. I mean, there are different word prediction programs out there. You know, every time I mention a program, there's there's like you know, five or ten different competitors. But I have to yeah. say that GoWriter just does a really good job with phonetic misspellings. Um, what else does CoWriter do besides the spelling aspects of writing? Well, it is it is really about predicting what you're going to write. Um, so it is best its best application is for spelling. It really does not, it knows nothing or not much when it comes to grammar, so it doesn't really help with grammar. Okay. Um, it also reduces the amount of keystrokes. This is a little bit more obscure, um, but they basically, if you start to type and it's pre- it's predicting what you're trying to type, you yeah. can just hit the letter, the number that's next to the word that you're looking for, and it'll insert it for you. Um, so mostly it's about encouraging students to write and use words that they wouldn't normally use. Right. What, and what about a program? Do you find that, that kids responding to, to the visual mapping programs as a good way to get their thought process organized? Right. So this is another, another issue. If the students, you know, we're not talking about spelling so much, but really about getting their ideas out um, and you know, then being able to organize them. Um, and here I, I find there are a couple of different types of students. Some students, they just have a hard time writing anything. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah, just, yeah. They don't write anything. Um, right. And so for them, we usually look at or- organization tools that are more prompt, more prompting. Uh, things like Draft Builder. Draft Builder is software that basically provides outlines um, for students to use uh, when di- writing different kinds of different kinds of uh, writing assignments. Uh, so yeah. you might have um, uh, uh, an essay you're writing about a character, and you need to. it knows that you need to uh, give a trait of the character and then give an example, give two examples of that trait of that character. So it'll mm-hmm. prompt you through that process. Okay. Now, other students, they have lots of ideas. <laughs> Their problem is getting them out quickly enough, and then, mm-hmm. being able, then they can deal with organizing them. Um, so for them, uh, graphical organizers like Inspiration are more useful. Uh, using the rapid-fire tool, uh, getting out ideas quickly, and then still you do need to work with them. You know, it, Education yeah. doesn't go away. <laughs> you still yeah. need to work with them on, okay, how do I organize this now? Yeah, sure. In... in um you know, it's such a writing is like you said. As you said, it's such a complicated process, and there are so many different breakdown points. But I do think that these tools, I'm just sort of punctuating what you're saying, can be really helpful to those kids that are that are, that find the whole process to be so so challenging. You know, what about what about like for ADHD? Let's call it executive function. Kind of, we'll move away mm-hmm. from learning disabilities for a second, and we have a few more minutes left. Um, what 
what would be some of the more, let's just say you did an evaluation, you found that the kid's reading skills are okay, their writing skills are fair, they're not great, but they're okay, but he's kind of a disorganized type of kid, and he's not getting started, and he's not following through, and all the, you know, all those right. fun things. What, what, what would you right. be recommending for that kind of kid? So there are different approaches when it comes to attention um, and focus and being able to plan. Um, I'd say that there's probably there's less technology when it comes to this area, but there is some. Um, so for certainly when it comes to um, deadlines and getting organized, we do use planners, uh, things like calendars and reminder tools uh, to help students be on track, Certainly, especially for older students. Uh, when we're talking about high school and getting towards college, because um, students need to be able to, on, you know, of, their peers are learning to do that. Their peers are learning to be on top of what assignments yeah. they have. We, one of the things we have to teach them is not just to give them reminders for when something is due, but all the steps that go come before that. Um, that is something that has to be taught. Um, you can't expect students to just know that. Uh, so yeah, it's due on Friday, but what are the th- different deadlines that you have to put into your reminder system so that you are checking off as you go. Um, So that's one. Um, Another is sometimes there are some apps that you might think of as really more for mental health. Um, And some of this is maybe is is not as well known, Um, but there are apps. uh, uh, There's one app called uh, SOS Relax. It's actually mm-hmm. uh, kind of um, more, again, well, more well known in the um, what I would call the um, mental health behavior. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and none of this is to be used on its own. It's always in support. So if they're getting counseling from someone, um, yeah. there are apps that can help to talk, to, you know, have students do breathing exercises, um, have students be able to. to uh, Think through what are the best next steps that I need to do to help myself. Um, what are the different ways that I can get rid of um, negative thoughts? You know, mm-hmm. so there's a lot of that, but that's more again not so much so an app that works by itself, yeah. but more yeah. something that's in support of counseling that's already happening. Right, and that might be a tool for for kid to be possibly using in terms of centering himself in the classroom to not be as distractible, I would assume. Right, right, exactly. Before we wind up, I w- back to the one we mentioned before about visual mapping, you know, we had mentioned inspiration. Are there ones that are like, that you can, you know, that, that you like, that you could Google that are free, that are kind of uh, visual mapping type programs that you might recommend? You like know, apps for visual vis- mapping? You know, that's a good point. There is, um, Inspiration has come up with an app, which is some, definitely something that we've used, mm-hmm. um, because it is, it, sometimes, I'll be honest with you, we will tend to go with some things that are already in the school, Yeah. Um, be, because if you try to introduce, you know, sure. think, of the, think of the workload right. teachers have. <laughs> teachers yeah, sometimes sure. are overwhelmed, and it's easier to go with the things that they know. 
Yeah, no, I, look, I've been recommending Kurzweil for years. <laughs> and I think that's why I asked exactly. you before we got on live. Is Kurzweil still, uh, you know, in a sense, cutting edge? You know, because it's one yeah. that I was very impressed with when I first saw it, but that was already 10 years ago. And, you know, technology changes. But, but I think that, like a lot of these programs, you get comfortable with them, and they typically get revised, and, you know, you, those are the ones you're using. Well, it's true that Kurzweil is still the king when it comes to college. Kurzweil is still used heavily. Part of it is because there are so many tools that it has. It has so many different kinds of support. So while it is expensive, um, it has a lot of different kinds of support. Explain you know, this um, for a minute, just how what it is. Tell, tell the listeners what, sure, what is Kurzweil. Sure. So Kurzweil is, is really mostly for reading support, um, but it can you can scan text in. So you can have a paper book. Right or papers, scan right. the text in, it'll convert it to text that can be read by the computer. But it also has those study skills. So being able to take column notes, uh, to be able to take voice notes, to be able to highlight, uh, to be able to extract those highlights into your study materials or into a paper that you're going to write, um, to be able to read on the web, uh, to use it to read websites. So it's true that it does have a lot of different features, uh, which make it popular with older students. Yeah, I always thought it was the king as well. It was I, I never, at least from the ones that I had seen along the way, so I always thought that it had just sort of a broad array, and the more you kind of dived into using it, the more you would uh, you know, uh, have available to you. And I always thought it was a great program. Um, Fred, just uh, as a by way of thank you've been very informative. You, so much, you know, so a wealth of knowledge, and it's it's. Yeah, I think yeah, I've, I've said somewhat something similar. It's a great time to have a learning disability, folks. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, you know, it's like there's so much available. When you think back, like 20 years ago, it was books on tape, you know, um, right. and now it's so much more, you know. So. Yeah. Um, just tell us, how can people get a hold of you, the name of your center, website, sure. all that? Sure, sure. Well, we do want to make sure that people have supports as they're learning what's out there and what's available. Um, the website is assistivetechnologycenter.org. So altogether, assistivetechnologycenter.org. From there, we do have a YouTube channel. You'll see a little link to YouTube. Um, that uh, We really felt it was important for students and parents to hear from other students and parents who are using assistive technology and to see examples of them using their assistive yeah. technology. So I'm that gonna, I'm going to show it to my parents a lot now. I'm going to go oh, on good, that good. YouTube channel and touch showing <laughs> there, And we have it broken down by section. So there's a section just for students with learning disabilities, um, as well as students with other people with other kinds of disabilities. Um, People and it's all it is. It's just examples of, of people talking about and using their assistive technology. Um, we also have uh, the agency, the larger agency is called Advancing Opportunities. Uh, we're a nonprofit. Um, the Advancing Opportunities website, advopps.org. Um, on there, right now, we have a link to um, a college uh, readiness kind of program that we're running. Um, we want students to be ready for college, we want them to know what's possible. Um, and we find that sometimes they're not always. Uh, students, are, you know, schools want to make sure that they're that they complete high school, but not always getting them ready for college. Uh, they, we have a series of forums called the College Aspire and Inquire forums, um, so you can find out more on the AdVops website. Wonderful, great. 
thank you very much, and I would like you listeners to, to encourage you to, to visit Fred's website and also um, our host, The Coffee Clutch. Dot com. It's, the, it's all one word, the coffee, as in the drink, the coffee, clutch, K-L-A-T-C-H, dot com, as well as my website, which is shutdownlearner.com. Fred, thank you again, and thanks for, for, to those of you who listened to the show and hope it was helpful. Take care, Fred. We'll see you soon. Thanks, Richard. Bye-bye. Be well. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.